Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Jack Hoffman. For nearly 31 years, Tico Steakhouse has been a staple for fine dining in Jackson, Mississippi. I would like to invite you to come experience our family tradition of our hospitality, sizzling steaks, and healthy poured beverages. East County Lime Road in Ridgeland, 601-956-1030. What is up on a Friday? Is today Friday? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Friday. It's whatever the hell day you want it to be. Um, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. Co-conspirator here is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Whenever it is you listen to it, it's been a crazy week. We were both on the road Wednesday in Louisville, um, did not get a chance to record. Um, I just got back as of this recording from Nashville uh, after Louisville, and so we figured better late than never on a Friday, Saturday. Whenever you want to listen to this, we got a lot to cover. Um, and I'll be honest, this one is just kind of a fire away type of thing. I didn't really have – we didn't have much time to come up with a plan for today's show um so but plenty to talk about where do you Colin? i guess first of all colin how are you i'm good how are you let's start basketball i am very very tired um <laughs> you know a long long week it what was time did you get out this morning entertaining week i got out so my grandparents live in nashville and i oh, had, that's nice. had breakfast with them around 8 30 and then got on the road so a decent hour got back but problem didn't get a ton of sleep drank way too much caffeine at the game um couldn't fall asleep but i guess without further ado we're just going to get right into this so old miss loses would you want to go basketball? Or, I guess basketball. First. Yeah, let's so Ole Miss loses sixty-two fifty-seven to Alabama um, in an SEC tournament game. They blew a fourteen-point halftime lead. They scored nineteen points in the second half. Seems bad. They got out rebounded fifty to thirty. Alabama grabbed twelve offensive rebounds in the second half alone, and nineteen rebounds or nineteen defenses. So thirty-one rebounds in one half seems like a lot. That's a lot of missed. That's shots. what happens when you miss a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I guess <laughs> if you miss a lot of shots, you that's a lot of rebounds. So. There was a lot to unpack in this game because there were single-game outliers that I don't think will happen again, but there were also reoccurring in long – not long-term because the season's – I mean, no matter what they do, the season – there's no long-term for this season. At this point, you're in early March. Yeah. <laughs> um, reoccurring issues that, that, that I don't necessarily think are going to change, or if they do, maybe not. So, first impression was, one, Bree and Tyree and Terrence Davis go Awful. 4 of 27 from the field. That's an outlier, though. That's never going to was happen. Was that just shots not falling? or, or do you... That was them settling. So Alabama's really physical inside with Dante Hall and some of the other guys they have in there. Um, with the Smith kid, I can't remember his name. Yeah. yeah off yeah. the top of my head. And that was them not getting to the rim and settling for a lot of perimeter jump shots and them just not making the shots, which, ha- which happens sometimes. But a lot of times, like when you see good guards miss jump shots, they find other ways to score and get their shooting shot- up because you're trying to get to the rim, get to the bounce, get to the free throw line, which Ole Miss didn't do at all. Yeah, they shot they two shot, free throws. I think four. Four? Okay. Well, whatever. It, splitting yeah, it was four. Shuler shot two at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> four over the course of a 40-minute game. And that's not that's not has nothing to do with the officiating. That has every bit to do with how one team played and how the other one did not. Yeah. Um. So my first takeaway is one. You know, Brian Tyree called it the worst game of his career, which he's probably not lying. Yeah, that's probably well. The Auburn game this year was pretty rough. Yeah, but, but he said, you know, I let my team down. I know it's a team game, but I, I really let my team down. And you know, you appreciate the kid taking the blame, I guess, or it's admirable. But my thing is, is that's an outlier. That's never going to happen again. I, I, I mean, I don't know how many games they've left in the year. They're, those two are not going to go a combined four of 27 again. Well, if they play like that, there will be one game remaining in the year. But no. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the odds of that happening again are not high. But what is concerning is when those two, and those are two veteran guards, weren't making shots, it affected their defensive effort. And that's something that's 
all, you see that in freshmen a lot. Like Blake Henson defends a lot better when he's making jump shots and kind of you know feeling himself. But you don't want that to happen in late March between a junior and a senior. That's that's con- that was the most concerning part in my book. And I, obviously, I think uh, Kermit Davis was very concerned because he had a great quote last night. He said, "When my two All SEC guards stopped shot making, they stopped defending, and you just can't have that." No, I mean, look, when Brian Tyree isn't making shots, he he was very bad on the perimeter on defense last night. I guess if there's one positive from last night is that. They got really nothing out of Brian and, and TD, and they were up two with th- two and a half minutes left. They almost won a game without getting you know much contributions from them. Um, Alabama, I don't really feel like it's a good matchup for Ole Miss at the end of the day either. No, they're they're a bad matchup because they're although it is a game that Dom can play a little bit in because you don't really have any threat of Hall or any of their bigs like right. shooting on it. But to your point, it's a bad matchup because Alabama wants to kind of punch you in the mouth in the paint. Yeah, and Ole Miss. I mean, one, they're not a physical team. They're not always the most mentally tough team. And so when they kind of get hit with a punch like that, it takes them a while to recover. And it was a weird game because Ole Miss is up 38-24 at halftime. And I thought, you know, one of the things that was surprising to me was I, you you got to commend Ole Miss for the energy level they showed in the first half because there was one team in that thing that had something tangible to play for, and it no. wasn't Ole Miss. No. And Ole Miss was the aggressor. They came out, and you talk about proverbial punches, they hit Alabama in the mouth. And so Ole Miss goes up 38-24 at halftime with Terrence Davis did not score in the first half. Tyree was not very good. So it was kind of a weird situation. Alabama turned it over a lot that led to a lot of Ole Miss points in transition and easy points. And so Ole Miss leads by 14. And, like, I was thinking at halftime, uh, a buddy of mine that covers Kentucky for 247, well, I was sitting there talking with him, and he was like – and I was kind of like, I think Alabama might fold. I mean – yeah. Because like, they didn't look they engaged. Have no energy. They didn't look engaged last week in Arkansas either. No, when you thought that you know their life's on the line here, like you think that. So I was like, they're gonna fold, and boy was I wrong because <laughs> that lead for Ole Miss evaporated and it felt like a. a they were tied, but it was really about five six minutes. Yeah, I commented to my roommate uh, that Ole Miss was up sixteen with nineteen minutes left, and it was all gone with thirteen minutes left. Within six minutes, the game was tied. So. Reoccurring issue, we'll, we'll try to make this somewhat organized because we're kind of all over the place here. Reoccurring issue number one, Ole Miss got off to a lethargic start in the second half. Well, where it feels like the ninth, like, I mean, doesn't it feel like the 10th or 11th time it's happened? Oh, yeah, here? easily. It's a two-month thing, right? Yeah, and, and it makes no sense whatsoever because, like, one of the biggest issues with this team is depth, but they're coming off a 15-minute break where they just made adjustments. Like, I don't, I can't I can't put my finger on why this team can't play out of the locker room. And they were asked about it repeatedly after the game, and, and they, they're they having trouble putting their finger on it, too. It's it's some, some of them said it's complacent, particularly when they have a lead and they feel like they've done enough and don't have that same energy. Some of them just said, you know, the leaders of the team, or Kermit said, you know, eventually some of the leaders on this team are going to have to step up and prevent that from happening because it's not a schematic thing. It's just a matter of, hey, like when you go back out on the floor for the second 20 minutes, like you have to bring the same punch that you brought in the first five minutes of the first half. Or you're going to be tied. Because they most part, of, with the exception of a couple of games, they start games well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Something and, and 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 you know they struggled to put their finger on it, but it's a couple of different things. It's you get some point you got to have the Terrence Davises and the Brian Tyrees of the world kind of get on someone's ass basically and just be like, look, like this is not acceptable. You can't build up a fourteen point lead and have it evaporate. No, that quickly. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's kind of like you said, Alabama had that sense of urgency last night that Ole Miss, for whatever reason, didn't have. And frankly, Alabama needed it more because Alabama's season is over. Not season. They played in the NIT. But if they don't win last night, their season's over. 
And the first eight minutes of the second half felt like the entirety of that January matchup in Tuscaloosa, where Alabama's just bullying Ole Miss inside, out physical. And they, I mean, how many putback dunks did they have last night? I mean, they they ha- Alabama hammered the glass, particularly the offensive glass. Yeah, I and mean, that's kind of Hall. Won the game. Like that's kind of Hall's game. Norris clashes crashes. Petty the glass does a good job hard. of it too. Petty does too. That's kind of what they like to do. Like they kind of get tr- like not, it's not. You call it garbage buckets, but it's buckets to where I'm just tougher than you and I'm going to go up and put this thing in the hole. Off topic, that's kind of why they have a chance today because that's that's how Kentucky plays. I mean, you're going to get into a street fight. And Alabama fight. beat Kentucky. Mm-hmm. In, in Tuscaloosa, Granted, yeah. That was a long time ago, first game of Different year. Kentucky team. But, yes, so that was reoccurring issue number one. Reoccurring issue number two is Ole Miss has a lead, a two-point lead with 241 left yeah. or whatever. Ole Miss did not score a basket in the last 321 of the game. And they were, Ole Miss was up 57-55, and I was texting somebody at that point while trying to write. Not advisable, but <laughs> I said, you know, I've seen how this movie ends. Yeah. And, of course, Ole it Miss did not score in the last 321 of the game. Terrence Davis has a terrible turnover with about oh, 81 seconds left, throws it across the floor, and Ole Miss loses the game. And so – the reoccurring issue that's now become a thing really just kind of late in the year. And Kermit Davis disagreed with me after the game, but I'm not sure there's evidence necessarily to support the opposite of this. But their shot selection is poor late in games, and they don't get very good possessions in half-court offense late in games. And it was something they did well at early in the SEC season. Like the game at Mississippi State comes to mind. Yeah. Um, in Starkville that when they had where they ran good offense they got you know they cut it hard they screened hard they got good open looks and were efficient towards the end other than missing a couple free throws they were pretty efficient down the stretch in that and the last couple games like against Tennessee like Kentucky they didn't score in the last 3 minutes Tennessee they were okay offensively they just couldn't get a stop but they don't get in Arkansas um where you know you had the Dom fiasco and you had the Bree and Tyree turnover possession for it. They don't get good looks late in games. Oh no, and and it kind of seems like when they do get it past half court, unlike you know Tennessee and Arkansas, they don't trust each other. Like somebody gets the ball and it seems like they're going to take the shot because that's what happened with Schuler last night, down three with about thirty five seconds left. He took to contested, jacked up three with about twenty left on the clock. Yeah, and it's it's weird because when you have a team who's overwhelming strength is three really high-level guards that doesn't really translate to not being able to run good offense late or not being able to find offense late like usually teams that can't shoot the basketball and kind of have good bigs and rebound hard like a team like Alabama much more understandable you know Petty's pretty good Max pretty good I guess that's not the best example but a team that's big heavy and maybe doesn't have very good shooters like that's understandable if they can't find offense. Like for Ole Miss, it's kind of inexplicable the way the team's constructed. Yeah, I mean, you just have three guys that you think can be able to put it at the hole at any level, and really they're kind of struggling there against good defenses late in the game. And sure, I guess some you know two thirds of their three headed monster had you know clearly poor nights. Oh, so I yeah. guess that's part of it. But it, I don't think it's just game in a vacuum. I think for the last you, know, you three out of the last five games now, and I'm thinking Arkansas, Kentucky, and last night. They haven't been good in half court offense down the stretch, and like, oh, breaking news for them in March. Like, Florida just hit a three to beat LSU at the buzzer. Really? Yeah. That shows you when we're recording this. So <laughs> as of this recording, LSU, is, right, Florida's on in the semifinals. That gets Florida in the tournament. But, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No. So, so I kind of lost my train of thought there. So oh, we you were, were just talking about not being able to score at the end of games. 
it's a problem. Yeah, I mean, and especially like a newsflash when you get into March, that's all March games are. Uh, yeah, you the last four minutes pretty much decides because everything's tight in March, man. It sounds like two fifteens and one sixteens. Everything else is kind of tight at the under four minute and mark. And you're going to have to guard, and you're going to have to run good offense late in games, and they haven't done either of that. So. No, I mean, and that was kind of what was in. I mean, if you want to take anything away from last night, look, Ole Miss did not ruin their tournament bid. Ole Miss is going to be what? What do you think? A nine or a ten seed? I think ten. Yeah, probably so, ten. Spinning it forward, I guess. Look, the game was what it was. It was a bizarre game in some ways because <laughs> you had Ole Miss had get off to such a good start build up such a big league, and then just get demolished in the second half, score 19 points. So, to me, it was, in some ways, it was everything that, that can go wrong with this team and that can go bad with this team reared its head last night. They got dominated on the glass. They were undisciplined with the basketball late, and they let their shot-making affect their defensive effort. Those yeah. are the team's three kind of fatal flaws, and they all showed last year. Yeah, time. and it kind of seems to, like, I hate to go back on last year because this team is not last year's team, but it does seem like there is some, I don't want to call them mentally fragile, but there... No, there's some mental fragi- fra- fragility. I'm not saying they're a mental fra- mentally fragile team, but there is some element of that there because you can't deny the fact that it is the same team. It, you know, it's well-documented what happened last year. So... Not that they're fragile and they're going to quit like a year ago, but like getting over mental obstacles like the free throw thing or running offense late in games, I think there's something like there's something there. Yeah, I mean, because you know, Brian misses the two free throws and Andre he missed one at Missouri too. Um, so yeah, it's going forward, going in this NCAA tournament, it's something that that they've got to work on. And I don't really know how much you can fix that over the course of a week. I will say, and and this is a little bit of Pollyanna. I don't know if it's necessarily the worst thing in the world they're not playing today against Kentucky. Bruce Stevens, I don't know. Did you, did you ask about his health last night? Yeah, I did. I, I asked him that after the game, and he said, I just twisted my ankle. I'll probably be fine. I mean, he came back in the game. Yeah. Probably sore, though. So, to your point, that's what we were about to get to. So, the loss is what it is. Ole Miss now just sits and waits. It's a postseason fate. Well, in the postgame last night, you know, they got asked how nervous they're going to be this week and be. all of that. And I don't think they necessarily should be. The team's behind Ole Miss are just bad at like in a normal year they would be sweating it very greatly but well, if you lose to Missouri you're sweating yes they did and so that's why I think they sealed their fate that day in Columbia so honestly not to like put a like try to spin this but it really might not be the worst thing for them no. because they're a team that's lost four or five they're not playing very good basketball and haven't for two and a half weeks now they have in stretches but not haven't put complete games together like they did at the beginning of the year so, you know, they looked gassed at the end of the game, the game last night. Like You could tell Shuler was tired. Tyree just looked mentally and physically exhausted. So they're now going to have essentially a, week a full week where all they're going to do is practice and rest and get healthy. I Bruce guess- Stevens, Devontae Shuler, though, I think he's pretty much past the foot thing at this point. And, I, you know, I was talking to someone after the game last night on the phone about it, a buddy of mine, and – the last time they've had that amount of time to just work on themselves Christmas. and get healthy is probably Christmas. Yeah. But did they even have that long? I guess it was about the same about stretch. It was like December twenty third to the twenty eighth. Yeah. So really, if you're talking a full week, you're talking like November, like before the season. Before since the season, that's yeah. happened. And so, yeah. Point being, it might not be the worst thing for them because they're they've lost four or five, and that's long enough to where that's not necessarily going to linger in their mind. Seven eight days off. 
is a reset. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and what I kind of wondered too, and and I didn't think they'd get like this. Um, I wonder if they're pressing a little bit. You know, I wonder if if they get freed up on Sunday when they see their name on the uh, on the selection and and they go play whoever they play VCU or whoever in a seven ten game. Um, I wonder if that just frees them up to you know go play basketball. Yeah, and there was varying reaction to how they're how they're going to be this weekend. Kermit Davis said he's not going to stress at all. He thinks they're an NCAA tournament team. The numbers support that. He kind of stated his case. Well, I mean, just just not to belabor the point. You look at the VCU lost today, so that's a bid stolen. But there's not many teams left on the bubble that are still playing basketball. That's that's there's somebody has to go take your bid, and there's nobody really still playing outside of Florida and Bama to do that. Yeah, and so. I don't think they're any danger no. of missing the tournament. I don't think they're any danger of even going to Dayton for one of the first four. Ooh, that'd games. be measurable. I don't think they're going to. I, I don't, don't think either. that's going to happen. I think they're going to be a firm ten seed somewhere. Yeah, um, which is better than eight nine in in my opinion. Yeah, because if Ole Miss were to win a game, you'd avoid the one seed. But you know, long way to go before oh, yeah. that 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 really comes into play. So, kind of putting a bow on basketball. They haven't played well. They've lost four or five. You know, they look a little bit gassed. So. Did, yes, the last night, the second half was bad. The end of the game was bad for them, but I'm not sure the loss is necessarily the worst thing for them. In terms of rest and kind of pressing the reset button, they're going to get to have their watch party or whatever. They're going to get to see their name called in all likelihood. On the- Boy, that would be uh, not fun if, if you host the watch party. and You don't, don't host a watch party if you don't know. <laughs> My <you're kidding>. God. <laughs> so, yes, to the point. They're having a watch party at the Pavilion, I believe, that's open to the public. Do, you, do I have that right? Uh, yes, yes, okay. uh, 5 o'clock. On Sunday, Sunday yeah. So baseball's at one thirty. Should be over. No, oh. you ever been you, to a college baseball game, man? On Sundays, yeah, it's four fair. hours. Anyway, <laughs> you get to point, cover both at the same po- time. Point being, they'll get to see their name on it. It'll feel like you know the culmination of an accomplishment that no yeah. one saw coming, and they do to still deserve credit for the full body of work. I mean, this was something that no one saw coming. Kermit Davis got recognized for SEC Coach of the Year, voted by both the AP and the coaches. Obviously well-deserved. I mean, they took a team with three guards, a couple freshmen, and some kind of misfit pieces and turned them all into the best version of themselves. I mean, it is a remarkable – they haven't closed the year as strong as they probably would have liked, but it is a remarkable job that that, that Kermit Davis has done in year one. I mean, I, I didn't – I thought Ole Miss would be playing on Wednesday as a sub-500 club in the SEC. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if they look closer before the year to uh, Texas A&M and Georgia than, you know, Alabama or whoever, Mississippi State. I mean, State and them finished with the same record. Maybe not quite Vanderbilt, but yes, yeah. <laughs> very much A&M and Missouri. So, you know, they'll press the reset button. They'll get to see their name called. They'll get to see where they're going and kind of reset to the postseason, which I think this team probably needs. So yeah. that's really all I've got for basketball. I have a column up from last night on supertalk.fm, some postgame reactions, some video. You can all find it on the website. Um, the first leg of my road trip, Louisville, Louisville, which Colin, you were there too. Um, that was an experience. Did you like Louisville? Did you do anything in Louisville? I did not. So I didn't get back to my <laughs> hotel until late. I got, so, you know, Louisville's only an hour away from Cincinnati and the right. Reds AAA club was there. So I was familiar with the area. Right. Um, it kind of sucked, like seeing all the signs of being so close to Cincinnati without being able to go back. I was like, man, I kind of just want to keep driving another hour and keep going. So it was, it was, it was cool. Louisville, it's a quaint little ballpark. There's it, a lot going on there. So I, I'm sitting up there in the, in, and this is just me having weird thoughts in the press box. But you got a train track in the outfield <laughs> behind where trains are probably going by. What literally every five minutes? That was yeah, one of the busier like, railroads I've yes. ever seen. Then you've got 
a UPS and FedEx like airport landing strip less than a mile. Get one of them every twenty minutes. The commercial airport is in the same area, so you got commercial planes going by. And then you got a military base somewhere <laughs> off in the area. So you got planes, trains galore going on around <laughs> you throughout this entire game. It was wild. Like for someone that's kind of ADD, like I was staring at the sky, like watching the trains. I was like, crap, there's two more. Like what happened in these last two hours? <laughs> like it was, there was a lot going on for me. So Ole Miss loses both games. The Tuesday game was a well-pitched game. They just got in a hole early. They couldn't caught coming off of late. Connor Green pitched three really good innings relief. Just kind of ran out of gas yeah. there at the end. Not a whole lot you can do. Louisville walks it off. The second day was an abject disaster. Yeah, it's funny. They lost by two runs, but you're right. It was an absolute disaster. I mean, they disaster. played horrible. Yes, I mean, that was probably their worst played game of the year. I guess you could already write State on that Saturday. Maybe, or even, even a couple of those wins against UAB – the yeah. errors, man, defensively, yeah. just kind of. No, you know what it was? It's the Little Rock. Little, Little, Rock. <laughs> Little Rock is what I'm thinking. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. That's, prob- that's probably rivals that. Yeah. So Doug Nikhazy, what? Really good. Starts the Tuesday game. He gives up two runs in the first inning and one a, after. And a one after. Goes six innings. Yeah, he, he was he really good. He rebounds to turn in six innings. They're only their second quality start of the season. Obviously, a little bit that's a little misleading with them not stretching out Etheridge like they could. But point being, Nikhazy was good, still had to overcome a rocky start. They fall short in that game. The second game, Houston Roth does not get out of the first. I say all that to say, starting pitching, it's more than like a concern at this point. It's an issue. I, I get – while you're right, I agree. I do think – I do wonder, I guess I should say, um, how much of that has to do with them playing two midweek games in a week, you know? Like, I mean, if they don't – Back-to-back weeks, too. Right, right. And I, do, do they do that again? I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure they do. I don't think they do. So if – while, yes, pitching overall is an issue, I think Etheridge is really good. I think Phillips is getting better, and I think Nikhazy is good. You've still got to wait and see on Hogland. So if you're playing so, f- four games a week, that's a little bit different. But right now, that finding that next guy, it's not pretty. I agree with three-fourths of what you said, and I'll push back a little bit on Phillips because UAB is not good. They are not. And while he has not been terrible in his starts – he hasn't shown me enough to make me remotely believe that he'll be there in three weeks. I still, I just think he, I said he's getting better. I mean, I, I think he's, I don't think he's the same guy that he was against Wright State and Tulane. Um, so but Saturday in the SEC, man, you need someone to be good. Yeah, and Ole Miss is well, I mean, for a while has been fortunate to have a good Saturday I, guy for many years. While I agree, um, the the Casey kid would be pretty good on Saturday. I and, think that's going to end up and, being, a and thing. I think if you move. You know, Phillips to Sunday, I think he'd be serviceable there. I don't think I agree with that, but I think either he or Hoagland would be on. Yeah, Sunday. fair enough. Yeah. Um, so, but Nikhazy, I don't think it's fair to him at this point to not have him in the rotation on the weekends. Yeah, the, that kid, it's weird because in both of his starts, he's overcome a really rocky first inning. Yeah. But he's acquitted himself well overall. Well, I mean, if the team hits at all, they win both games. I mean, they did. That's they, a good. That's get, a fair point. They get no hit for eight point two against East Carolina. They don't score to the seventh or eighth inning at Louisville. Um, I mean, and that's not to belittle the offense. The offense is fine, but it's just. Well, I'll say fine. It's good enough. Um, but yeah, I, I think Nikhazy at this point, you've got to get him into the rotation. He's throwing too good to, to continue to throw him on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at this point. And it's 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 a, like I think the main the biggest concern is that you haven't seen. Phillips or Hoagland make a jump to be like, okay, that's a formidable piece. We don't really have to worry about that being a thing. If you're like, I say we as if you're like the coaching staff, 
have to worry about going forward and you're not getting anything out of Houston Raw. Yeah, and I, and Jordan Fowler obviously at this Mike point, was uh very blunt after the game. He didn't think Houston Roth's uh, injury played into it. Um, I don't know. Did you see fastball velocity on Wednesday? Where I was, I couldn't see it. Um, I couldn't tell. Louisville's gun had to be a little hot. Maybe. They brought in like nine kids that threw 95. I don't know, man. <laughs> they were slinging it from some of those sitting right behind home plate. Like they Vanderbilt North. They were um, bringing it. So... But, yeah, starting pitching is an issue. The first innings, weirdly enough, are the biggest issue with this team. Cooper Johnson called it their kryptonite. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is. I mean, you're starting from behind at so many games. It's just They not... are. They've started from behind in what feels like almost every game. And the offense is good enough to bail you out, but, I mean, You dang. don't need to put that str- – <laughs> see, that's the problem, and that's what I kind of got into with you. I mean, you were standing there. I got into it with Coop – not got into it. Got – like broke it down a little bit with Cooper Johnson after the game. I said, when you get down four or five runs, does that change your mindset yeah. as a hitter? And he said, absolutely, because one of the most – Cooper's a great quote, and one of the most telling – and he's always very honest about things, or yeah. at least it seems like. And one of the most telling parts of what he said was like, well, you feel like if you put four or five quality at-bats in a row or six six quality at-bats in a row, you're still not making a but dent. Then, and that's yeah. a demoralizing feeling. Yeah, when you cut a six-run lead – by two runs, you're still down four. I mean, you know. Um, and that's what he said. He said it's one thing if it's two or three runs, but when it's four, five, and six, it's a yeah, whole it's other different story. Thing. So, and it changes their approach at the plate. So what's the what's the fix? I mean, this team is not good right now. This team has not played well this year. I mean, let's just call it outside of maybe the Tulane series, they have not played well. Well, they haven't beaten anyone good. Uh, okay, I think Wright State's okay. But, yeah, outside of them. What do you think happens with Hoagland on that Sunday? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not okay. Th- them not beating anyone good. I'll, I'll give you right state, but I guess what I'm saying is the the three games that you were looking at in their non conference and be like, oh, let's see where this team's at. ECU in these two games, they, they, they lost. lost all three. Yeah. Um, I guess if you want to be a Pollyanna, they lost them by one and two runs, but you, you they're still losses. There's not a net in baseball. It doesn't doesn't account offensive efficiency. Um, so, yeah, it, at this point, I mean, it kind of is what it is. We'll see tonight with Will Etheridge. I think Will Etheridge is going to have a really good night tonight. I think Ole Miss blows out – is it Finnerty tonight? Have you seen the rotation? Sam Finnerty. Yeah. I, think, I think Ole Miss blows him off the mound. That's how Ole Miss plays Alabama first pitch 630 on Friday. I don't know when you guys are going to be listening to this. If it's already happened, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think Finnerty's a bad matchup for Alabama against them because he throws 84 to 86 with his right hand. So I don't think he's going to retire many Ole Miss hitters tonight. So on the flip side of things, you know, the offense a little bit, to borrow a phrase from Chase Parham when we were talking about this, it's a little – it's not concerning, but at times it's a little smoke and mirroring. Uh, yeah. Because there's parts of the lineup that go dead for a while. Like, you notice, like – so Bianco put – Kevin Graham's been their most consistent producer for the last like very small stretch here, like three, four games, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, yes. While numbers wise, not that every I'm like not to say everyone else has been bad. My point being, Bianco gave him a start Friday against UAB to try to spark the bottom of the order, and then the top of the order goes bad against the first game against UAB, and the next day you see Kevin Graham in the two hole. Yeah, um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's just. They've kind of, in my opinion, got to stop that. Like they've got to get a lineup. Yeah, they've got to get a rotation, and those got to be their guys. Like I think, I think eight of the nine need to be set. And if you want to rotate Kevin uh, Graham and Elko at the DH spot, then by all means go ahead. But I think everybody else You're missing a name, and I don't think it's on accident. Michael Fitzsimmons, no. Chase Cockrell, yeah, he's done. I mean, it. I it, think that is what it is at this. I point. mean, you're striking out four. What will we say? Eighteen times in forty at bats. 
It was at one point. I mean, like, I don't want to be a numbers nerd on here. I am. At one point, I looked, his batting average was about 220, but his batting average on balls in play was about 420. So, I mean, that that can't – that's not going to continue. It's going to get worse. I, st- I still believe in the talent in Elko, so I think you play him against left-handers. I think this is your best defensive lineup with Adams and Servideo. So, I think eight of the nine just you ha- are what they are, and you can rotate uh, Elko, Fitzsimmons, and, you know, for Graham against a left-handed pitcher. And once you saw the struggles of Cockrell and Elko, you kind of saw the second base platoon turn into two starters. You kind of yeah. saw that coming from a mile out because Servideo – and Adams are both producing at the plate. Adams has good enough range at second base, and Servideo makes them a better outfield like upon him. He needs to play center field, but yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, I think Ron Olenek, to his credit, you, we both watched this team in 2017. Ron Olenek was not good in center field. Uh, I think he's a lot better than he was then, now in center he's field. He's a frustrating guy in center field because I agree with you, he wasn't good, but he has moments where you're like, how did he do that? Like, do you remember that catch <laughs> against LSU where he's like, Cleat Mark like ripped yeah. up the wall. Oh, he's a gamer game. now. Like it's just stuff like that. But I agree overall. But yes, I think he's gotten better. I don't think Olenek's a bad outfit. No, a not great at all. Athlete. But I agree. I think Servideo would probably fit better in center field. That's well, neither here nor there. You know, we're talking about the offense. What? How would if I told you coming into SEC play, Cooper Johnson was going to be hitting three twenty with a nine fifty OPS? He's been good quietly. I too. mean, and you this offense isn't producing at the level you thought it was, and he's producing those numbers. I don't know what you do, man, because. The Kessner's not hitting right now. I mean, it's just. I, I, but that's the least of their not no, Kessinger alone. The offense no. is the least oh, of their worries because it's still sufficient. Well, enough. to a point, the the numbers against left-handed pitching is, is bad. That they're worrisome. That's a, yeah, that's because I don't know if you fix that. I don't know how. How do you? you I mean, I don't know how you fix that. Uh, you just plug the lineup with call, lefties. Call Stephen Head so he can come throw some live BP. I guess, but I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're not hitting lefties right now, and anybody really. I think Diller's the only one over three hundred. So I mean, it's it's kind of bare right there in that area. And so, in terms of pitching, like running back to that, like this, we had this theory. This is never going to happen, given you know who's managing the team. But <laughs> aren't they the perfect test case for this opener phenomenon Absolutely. that's hitting Major League Baseball? Absolutely. You get through the first inning, probably not on Friday nights. You start Etheridge and let him run out there and do his thing. Yes, but everywhere else. On Saturday and Sunday, yeah, I start a guy in the first inning and don't let my starter see the top of the order more than twice. And it could be Caracy, but it like Caleb Hill or someone like uh, that makes sense where good stuff, swing and miss stuff. Give me give me an inning. Whose stuff at max velo or max effort is the best on this team that you're not going to start? And that's probably Hill. Or even, like, I, he's not the best fit, but if you're just letting Connor Green go through the lineup one time, not a terrible... I agree, but you want Connor Green to pitch in the later innings. In yeah, sure, but, like, you could, like... Like, depending on a lineup and a matchup, you could go Hill one day and Connor Green the next day as an opener. Like, you're throwing an inning. Oh, see, I, I'm of the belief, like, I would throw Hill both days. That would that would kind of be my approach. But, yeah, you know, I just think there's some flexibility. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. what, when the Rays first started doing it, they did Romo, Romo. every time. Yeah. It, there was another team that did it that used two different guys. The Brewers. Okay. The Brewers used them. And use two different guys. So, I don't know. There's different ways to do it. It's all moot. The Brewers used it in the uh, NLCS. That's right. Well, they used Molly in game five and then started Molly in game six. And that's going to stop it. So, for people that don't necessarily know what the opener is, I guess I'm going to do a terrible job explaining (laughs) explaining it to them, the the benefit of it, because it's something that hit Major League Baseball last year. It's an interesting – it's an interesting strategy, and it's one that could fit Ole Miss. Yeah, it's uh, so basically you start a reliever, 
Um, the Oakland A's did it in the uh, playoffs last year. Uh, Milwaukee did it in the playoffs last year. Uh, Tampa Bay did it all year. They won 90 games. You basically start a guy that's going to go give you three or four outs, and then you hand the ball to your starting pitcher. And the reason teams do that is so that the, their starting pitcher does not have to face the uh, top of the order more than more than three times unless he's really dealing. So you get through the top of the order. Those those guys don't see him You know, maybe twice. Uh, he throws six innings, and, and you hand it to the back end of your bullpen. That's really the advantage of it is – is well, you can match up to like if you have a lot of lefties at the top of the order, you can throw the left hander. So, um, but yeah, that's why teams do it really. They don't want the starting pitcher to see, uh, you know, the starter or they don't want the starting pitcher to go three times through the order because obviously the numbers increase your third time facing somebody. And with the way this team is losing and the way it's getting off to bad starts in the first inning, it seems like a match made in heaven. Yeah. No, now, we're there's talking, a better chance of me and Colin winning there's the Powerball in the same week. Well, there's a better chance of us starting tonight for Ole Miss. That is very true <laughs> than Mike Bianco doing that. So yeah. it's God moved, but an it's analytic. an interesting theory, if nothing else. And like, I don't know. I, it would be why it would be kind of. I mean, it, it's almost like some like I'll just like it's been so boring. I just kind of want to see like well, something you know, interesting. Like State that. did it in 2013 when they went to the national title series. They, they would pitch Graveman, and then Trevor Fitz would go throw an inning and a third, and they'd hand it to Luis Poirier or whoever, uh, and bullpen it with Lingren and Holder through their way through a game, and it really worked. Well, if everybody gets thrown out of a game, including like fans in the stands in the first inning, and I'm the only one there left with the team, <laughs> that's what that's manage, what we're doing. <laughs> that's 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 where we're going. <laughs> so, but to wrap up with baseball, they're not playing good ball, but they they caught a a tremendous break in scheduling that they're starting yeah. SEC play with Alabama this weekend and then Missouri. What do you have which, to go? What? What do you have to go to feel good about yourself? The worst case scenario, four and two. Absolutely. Absolute worst case. I think to feel good about yourself, you got to go five and one. I think so too. They have to sweep one of them and it's probably the home series. Cause I, mean, I think, I think Missouri's worse. Missouri's I mean, worse, but I mean, Alabama is 16 and two. Like they've played nobody, Yeah, but I mean, I do think just you know not to belabor the point, you do have to sweep one of these series. Yeah. I mean, it, and I, I hate saying you need to sweep, but man, it you've lost three games in the non-conference against top twenty-five teams. You lost to Tulane and Wright State. You got to make those wins at some point. And there's enough pieces to for them to figure this thing out. Yeah. It's just how they're going to do it, given the number of like the number of inconsistencies from a number of different guys on the mound makes it a little more unclear. Yeah, I mean, they've got not gotten roles, you know, answered outside of Austin Miller and Connor Green are their first two guys out of the pen. And there's there's fat trimming to be done. There, the there is. Not. There is. Um, I mean, at some point, you got to go to the guys that that have produced. Obviously, you're not going to run Connor Green and Austin Miller in the ground. Um, you're not going to run Parker Christ in the ground. Well, they did last year. But, um, you know, so you've got three guys that really – if tonight Ole Miss has to give the ball up in the sixth inning, how many guys, if you're Mike Bianco, do you trust to get outs to get it to Caracci, Connor Green, uh, Austin Miller, and who else? Is there anybody else? Because Max Trophy's gotten blown up recently. Yeah, so you said Connor Green, Austin, Austin Miller, Miller, and Caracci? Well, to get it to Caracci. Okay. Is there anybody else you trust if Nikhazy's not available? And I'm betting he's probably not. That was the first one I was going to say. I'm trying to go through to see if I'm missing anybody. I mean, the next closest one is Taylor Broadway, maybe. But that I wouldn't. I wouldn't put. It no, in you go category. Austin Miller and Connor Green. If if I mean, they don't have anybody that you trust to get it to the back end of the bullpen outside of and those three. And if that Connor Green hadn't bit found the Renaissance that he's found, Ooh. where are they at this point? Or Austin Miller. 
Yeah. I mean, now Austin was good last year in limited opportunities, but I mean, if you're not, if you don't have those two guys, I mean, you are in a mess. So wrapping up with that, it'll be an interesting couple of weeks with baseball. Um, trying to think what else I had. So like, wins we didn't get to do the, my now Wednesday segment clown of the week because there was no show. Do you so have I one? actually have a good one. Will Wade? No, myself. <laughs> I am Wednesday's clown of the week on a Friday. Uh, Thursday night. Uh, or last night, okay. I guess, as of this recording, I get to the SEC tournament. I try to find a seat. My good. Oh, you dropped water. I heard my about good this. friend and, and and I guess is he a colleague? I don't work with him. Who are we talking about? Parish. Oh yeah, fair enough. My good friend and fellow media member Parish offer Daily Journal. Great writer, great guy. I sit down and I say, Hey Parish, can I sit next to you? And he gladly obliges. <laughs> so I sit down. I go get a cup of water, and I go back to my seat. And fumble this cup of water so violently that just, I would have honestly been better off just looking at Parrish and been like, have some, and crammed it in his face. <laughs> like, got all over him. Did you, did all you over like, fry computer, anything? All over me. Didn't fry anything. So, one, the technology gets saved. But two, <laughs> Parrish gets wet. I get wet. I have nothing to clean it up with except for, like, game notes, papers, and stuff, because I can't find any napkins. Everyone's looking at me, and I'm just like, like, Jesus, man. Like, what are you doing? You spilled water in a crowded area like five minutes after you sat down at this event. Like, come on. That's a heck of a way to start the day. You could feel how pissed off everyone was around me. And, like, Parrish, too nice a guy. He was like, no, everything's fine. The electronics are. And I'm like, all right, here's a towel. Like, I don't know what else to do. So it made for an interesting start to the game. So I didn't have a better suggestion. So that's me. So okay. if anyone ever actually wants to send one of these in, you're asking what Clown of the Week is. It's something that someone does, you see someone do, and it makes you ask the question, like, like what's wrong with people? That kind of stuff. Like, what was the guy last week? Oh, the guy that was uh, – you're, in the media room at the friend. basketball game, blittering dubstep through his earphones at like 1130 at night to where like the entire room can hear it. And he's just so, pecking away, like logging photos. Who do you have winning the SEC tournament now? Oh, we got uh, Florida in that. So LSU was just knocked out as of this recording. Right. South Carolina, Auburn, who you have? I've got South Carolina. I think Auburn wins a close game. I think South Carolina gives them a good fight. Kentucky. Um, I think Kentucky wins the tournament. I think they're playing well. See, I'm I'm kind of curious. That Kentucky Tennessee game is going to be a knockout drag, knockdown drag out. Like, can somebody rebound and go play on Sunday after that? And if you've ever been to the SEC basketball tournament before, like when I was a kid, my parents took us for spring break three years in a row because it's relatively affordable. It's a lot of basketball and it's mm-hmm. honestly a lot of fun. Like yeah. the way that tournament set up is awesome. Kentucky Tennessee in Nashville is the quintessential SEC tournament matchup. Oh yeah, that place would be that Bridgestone Arena. If that if they get that matchup, is going to be rowdy. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm honestly jealous. I wouldn't be in there for that. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm just. I don't know if whoever wins that can rebound and play the next day. Now, if you're playing Florida, who's playing their fourth day in a row, it's a little bit different because Florida's going to be have dead legs tomorrow and Sunday if they're there. Uh, Florida probably put themselves in the tournament today, right? Yeah, I think the win over LSU removes any doubt. I think they did it. But, yeah, so you have Kentucky. I'm going to go – I think I'm going to go Kentucky. But I think it's Kentucky, South Carolina in the finals. Man, that would really put the committee in an uncomfortable spot with regards to Carolina. I don't think so. I think they'd have to win it. You think – I mean, the net's like 90. Yeah. What does it do with wins over who they get to get there? Like, does it get to 80? I guess it doesn't necessarily matter. Well, I mean, you're, but the thing is, well, you're playing Auburn today, you'd play Florida tomorrow. That would really help. I mean, yeah, it's the bubble's so bad. I guess you could, you could conceivably get them on there. Um, 
you know, if you're the SEC, why not just, you know, call a few fouls and make sure they win? <laughs> I mean, yeah. That happened. Be their best case scenario. That, that kind of happened out in the West Coast Conference. Now, Gonzaga played like crap, but whew, if they didn't get some calls. Yeah. So that's about all we got for today. Last minute show. We want to do it better late than never. We'll be back on a more normal schedule next week. Um, I guess I'll be traveling a little bit at the NCAA tournament, but as long as like one of us is here, we'll have three shows next week more than likely. Um, we appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you on Monday. <laughs> a Super Talk Mississippi media production.